This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Discover more ways to enhance flavor and maximize beer yields with Salvo. Now available in varieties like Sultana, Trident, Lotus, Calypso, Cascade, and many more. Discover how Salvo can help boost your brew at hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. And thanks also to Brew Ninja, a brewery software solution that streamlines your day-to-day operations, including inventory, accounting, sales, and compliance, so that you can focus on making great beer. Listeners of this podcast will receive a unique offer by going to getbrewninja.com and using the code BREWNINJA21. So we can use Arrhenius' equation and TDU day equivalents to actually in a scientific manner think about this rather than maybe more of a a uh, marketing-influenced way. Want to understand how changes in temperature speed up or slow down beer staling? Warm or cold, Savante Arrhenius can help you figure it out. Hello, this is Travis Audet with Anheuser-Busch and Beth. Travis, let's knock out some theory before we get into the practical stuff. What is collision theory and what do we need to know about it? Yeah, you know, we have uh, chemical reactions that happen, and we kind of take these all for granted, or at least I do. And, and um, you know, w- when we talk about the rate of reactions, it really has to do with reaction kinetics. So you have, in reactivity, things colliding, and the effectiveness of that collision defines the rate with which the reaction happens. And that, that the molecules need to be oriented correctly. They need to be knocking together. And sometimes when they knock together, you, you don't have a reaction happen. And sometimes when they do come together, you do have a, a reaction. And that, that the effectiveness of that reaction depends on a, a, a lot of different things. And is that effectiveness the same thing as the concept of activation energy? Exactly. All, all reactions have a certain activation energy. Some of them are low activation energy, and some of them are higher activation, activation energy. So if, if they're higher activation, it's, it's fewer molecules will have sufficient energy to undergo the effective collision. So higher activity, activation energy, the harder the reaction is to happen. All right, well, let's look at some of the different variables that either, you know, limit or facilitate chemical reactions. Uh, well, tell us what they are. 
Sure. Um, they fall into some groups like uh, the reactant concentration. So if we increase the concentration, then the, the rate of things interacting with each other become higher. So that, that reaction rate becomes higher. Also, surface area, if, if the molecules exist in different phases, um, then surface area will certainly limit. So, I mean, a good example would be something that's frozen compared to something that's not frozen. Uh, if it's not frozen, then that, that material, particularly obviously a liquid, would have a higher reaction rate because more of the molecule is being exposed to the, to the physical reactions. And then catalysts, you know, anything that catalyzes a reaction um, without being consumed, that, that would help increase the reaction rate. Probably the simple example of that in brewing would be diatomaceous earth. So all diatomaceous earth comes out of the earth pretty much a similar fineness. And then we calcine it, which is heating it up. And that makes a, a less, a more coarse, a less fine DE. And then if we add a flux catalyst, in the case of diatomaceous earth, that would be soda ash, that would lower the temperature that, that the reactions are happening. And then you would get more melting of the diatomaceous earth. So that's a good example of a catalyst. And then the final one is uh, temperature. And that's one we're really going to be talking about today. And that's one that probably most people would have thought of at, at the beginning of this list is you know, it's kind of intuitive for most people that if we increase the temperature, that will increase the reaction rate uh, and then the reactions will happen faster. All right, Travis, I feel like you're always introducing us to interesting scientists who've been dead for a long time. Who was Savante Arrhenius and what do you want to say about him? This guy is um, super interesting. He was not well regarded in his time because he was half physicist and half chemist. And so the chemists didn't like his ideas <laughs> and the physicists didn't like his ideas. Um, but um, irony, of course, is that his ideas were revolutionary and not seen that way in his time. Do you, do you have a history degree or something, or do you, do you, do you just, are you just drawn to these people? I, I just think it's the, the, the history of science is fascinating and how we got to where we are. I just love it. And uh, this, this guy is actually really interesting because he was one of the first people to ever recognize the risk of uh, CO2 and methane in the atmosphere to drive global warming. So his work's probably a lot more popular now than it was then. It should be, yeah. I mean, he was doing that work in about 1895, I mean, well ahead of um, the time and right ahead of, ahead of the curve of seeing what was going to come out of an industrial revolution. Cool. All right. So why do we care about him here? Oh, because he uh, defined or recognized something that's just fundamental to chemical reactions. And, and he created what's called the Arrhenius equation, which it looks pretty complicated on face value. And it's hard to talk about math on, on, on a podcast, so I'm going to try to limit that as much as I can. But really, if you were going to summarize what the Arrhenius equation says, it says that for every uh, 10 degree Celsius rise in temperature for almost all chemical reactions is a doubling of reaction rate, which is kind of a neat, tidy package. Um, but it's super important when we start trying to think about temperature because we you know, everyone again has a sense that raising of temperature increases reaction rates, but how many people can tell you by how much? Well, the Arrhenius equation actually defines that, that for every, again, 10C rise in temperature is a doubling of reaction rate. 
And that becomes really important when we start thinking about heat and frankly cold in brewing situations. Okay, so that brings us to TDUs then. What's a TDU? TDU is a thermal degradation unit. And it's a lot like a pasteurization unit. So a pasteurization unit is a a log function where we think about thermal um, destruction of bacteria. And that, that those those numbers that are in the 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 power equation is built over lab testing. So a TDU is like a PU in that it's a log function, and it's using Arrhenius's um, equation that he developed that to help us understand how fast reaction rates happen in molecules, and it is very simply time in minutes times the number two and that two is raised to a power and in that that power equation it's not that difficult again i know like talking about math on a podcast (laughs) is like dancing about architecture right it's it's not not the best thing but i'll try to keep it simple so it's time in minutes times the number two and that number two is raised to a power function. And that power function is very simpler. It's simple as temperature minus 20. The 20 represents C. And that is divided by 10. That's what's in the power. And the 10 represents 10 represents 10 C for a doubling of rate. So hopefully that makes sense. The two down there is your doubling. And the 10 up above is that 10 degree rise. And then the temperature minus 20 is whatever your current temperature is. Now, Travis, does this have anything to do with the, um, I remember in brewing school, there was a lot of emphasis on um, thermal stress, and I'm blanking on the unit of measurement that um, is often used to assess thermal, yeah, that's it. That's TBA, sometimes called TBZ, German word for acid, I believe, begins with a Z, I think that's why it's sometimes called TBZ. Does that have anything to do with TDUs, or is that completely different? uh, Um. It's that is really a scalding measurement. So a a yes and no. So it, where you really can drive it's thiobarbituric acid is what we're measuring, and that's created when you have a very high rates of Strecker re- reactions, and those that that's kind of more of a, a scalding thing. Which obviously you would have very high TDU impact when you're scalding wort for example, in a brew kettle. So yes, they are related. I've never seen uh, TDUs described as like a fully linear function. It's really more of a, a, a chemistry method to measure this, this Strecker reaction marker. Okay, cool. So then are TDUs the same thing that I might find on a PU meter if I'm working in a brewery with a pasteurizer? Yeah, so at least the two I have used, which is Red Post and um, uh, Steinfurth, both tell you TDUs. But unfortunately, as an industry, we have not um, agreed on how to even define a TDU. So those two manufacturers actually report them differently, slightly, which is interesting. Convenient. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tell us about that. Tell us what, uh, how different are they? Are they, is it, is it uh, close at all or no? It, it is by factors of 10, which is a little maddening. So 
Red Post, and I apologize if, um, to any other manufacturers out there. These are just simply the only two I've used in, in my career. But uh, Red Post does report a TDU, and they they choose to make the TDU look similar to a PU um, by dividing the TDU result by ten. In fact, at least they acknowledge us by calling that a small d TDU. And the D, I think, is like a decimal, I, th- I believe. I've never really thought about it until just now. But so if the the beer is being pasteurized at one minute at 60C, so that's well above 20C. So we're having faster reaction rates. That adds up to 1.6 D TDU, which technically is 16 TDU because they're dividing by 10. Okay, got it. Steinfurth PU meters calculates TDU essentially the same as Red Post, but then they choose to divide it by 100. And why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just to be different, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's you really you want to know wh- whoever you're using for your PU and your TDUs. You want to understand how they're defining it, and especially if you're going to compare to another. Uh, instrument either in one of your other breweries or, or you know or another brewer that you're talking about tdus with why is calculating tdus for tunnel pasteurization not really all that helpful um the reason it's not helpful is because you you end up with a, a number that's kind of pretty large and um it has no reference like if i if i told you you have a thousand TDUs. You might say, well, "Well, that's great. Is that good or bad?" Right? Yeah. There's there's no there's no grounding reference in TDUs, and so that's actually why I prefer to think in um, TDU day equivalents. Okay. So what a TDU day equivalent is is you're taking um, the TDUs, which are it's in minutes, okay? If I said a day has 1,440 minutes, okay? It sounds like a day is really long when you think of 1,440 minutes, right? Yeah. I don't know why I don't get more done. I got 1,440 <laughs> minutes to do well, all this stuff. you asleep for a lot of those. So if I told you I did something two days ago, that would be 2,880 minutes ago. Well, that's not very convenient, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't talk in minutes ago because uh, it'd be pretty confusing. So we divide by 60 and 24, and now we're to days. So that's what we can do with the TDU day equivalent is we take the total amount of TDUs that are calculated through essentially Arrhenius' equation, and we divide by 60. And so now we're to hours. And then we divide by 24, and now we're to days. So here, here's where things start getting really cool, or hot, depending on which way you look at it. So if I have a bottle of beer, and it's at room temperature, 20C, and I hold it there for one day, if I calculated the TDUs, it, it would be 1440. Hopefully that makes sense. Same number as a minutes in a day. Yes, because TDUs are based on Arrhenius equation, which is based on 20C in minutes. So we just count one minute, one TDU, 
1440 minutes is 1440 TDUs. If we divide that by 24, sorry, divide that by 60 and divide again by 24, we end up with one TDU day equivalent. Okay. So now what gets interesting is if we hold our beer hotter or even colder, we can think of the TDUs calculated, TDU day equivalents calculated relative to room temperature. Now we got a powerful tool. Coming up. Let's say a brewery is, is considering storing cold, cold warehouse storing. And they want to know how much fresher their beer will be if they warehouse it at 5C. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation works with your existing fermentation tanks to track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity in real time from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Get started for 30 days risk-free. Visit precisionfermentation.com mbaa. Brought to you by BSG, distributors of TNS HAP oils. Looking for a way to save on freight, reduce waste, all while improving beer quality? Then change your brewing game with TNS HAP oils. Visit bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn how TNS HAP oils can make your beer and your margins better. Would you like to reduce product losses, save time, and improve your dry hopping process? Alpha Laval's latest innovative technology, the Alhop, is a self-contained PLC-controlled system which allows beer from your fermenter to flow through a hop slurry in a closed-loop cross-flow process. This significantly speeds up the rate that hop aromas and flavors are imparted into your beer. Because hop pellets stay in the Alhop and never enter your tanks, losses are minimized and downstream separation or filtration goes more smoothly. Visit us at alphalaval.us slash mbaa to learn more about taking your dry hopping time from days to hours with Alhop. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. The Master Brewers DEI committee has a webinar on psychological safety December 13th. The 2023 District Ontario Conference at the Pillar and Post Inn begins January 25th. The 2023 Master Brewers Conference will be October 6th through the 8th in Seattle, Washington. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. 
Thanks for listening to the Master Brewers podcast. Did you know that Master Brewers offers a wide range of technical resources for breweries of all sizes? Whether you're new to brewing or a seasoned expert, join our community to connect with key players in the profession and stay up to date on the latest in brewing science, technology, and operations. Become a member of Master Brewers with code BEER2022 to save 20% on your membership dues now through December 31st. United We Brew. Now back to the show. All right. Let's talk about why that's powerful. Um, Let's go through an example here. So, Let's say we've got a truck of packaged beer stuck in Arizona, not the cooler part of Arizona that Campbell Morrissey mentioned on episode 252, but the other part of Arizona that's really hot. How can TDUs tell us what happens to the shelf life of that beer? Yeah. I mean, imagine you're in a situation where you normally would truck your beer across Arizona and let's say the temperature control in the truck was set to room temperature 20C. Okay. And it's driving across the state and it's been doing this for months. Like your beer always makes this trip. And then one day the truck breaks down and it's stuck in Arizona. It's a, it's a bad breakdown. It's stuck there for, you know, seven days. Okay. How much older is the beer by being in that truck for seven days? Well, first we need to know what the temperature is. Let's, let's just pretend the temperature is hot. 50 C it's, you know, the truck, the semi-truck's like an oven. So it's not, not impossible that the that, that truck was up at 50C. And we would take 50C minus 20, because base 20, and divide by 10, because every 10 degree rise in temperature is a doubling in reaction rate. That's our power. We would take that power to the number two, and then we'd multiply it times the days, because now we're in TDU day equivalents. We've We've changed the paradigm. We're not working in minutes anymore. We're working in days. So we multiply times seven. So that that gives us the TDU day equivalents. But you know, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we have to minus out the normal heat that that truck would have experienced. Right. So the the answer to the the, the situation was 56 TDU day equivalents, but the truck would have had a little bit of age or the beer on the truck would have had a little bit of age. That turns out to be about seven TDU day equivalents. So the net 56 minus seven is 49 TDU day equivalents. Or in other words, we have an additional 49 days of age at room temperature on that beer by just sitting in the desert for seven days. Ouch. So it really makes a big difference, right? Because so the temperature is pretty hot, but the time is really long. Okay, cool. All right. Um, I don't know if you heard the episode, Travis, but Ali Schultz from New Belgium was on the show recently talking about how pasteurization gets a bad rap for no good reason and how New Belgium doesn't observe any negative outcomes from pasteurizing bright or hazy IPAs. Do TDUs agree with Ali's assessment or not? Yeah, absolutely. You know, before I go there, you know, I think we're a bit of a victim of our own marketing here, right? So someone at some point said, I need to sell some more beer. 
<laughs> and let's let's that never happens. Let's yeah, right. So let's create something that will create distinction in the consumer's mind and maybe drive more purchases. And so obviously what I'm referring to is non pasteurized sterile filter beer. Pretty sure I know which brand you're talking about. <laughs> so we we put the idea into the consumer's mind that somehow pasteurization damages or uh, lowers the freshness of beer, and I, I think we're victims of that thinking. In 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 without understanding the science about it, you, we can get left into this idea that somehow pasteurization um, significantly ages beer, and. Um, so we can use Arrhenius' equation and TDU day equivalents to actually, in a scientific manner, think about this rather than maybe more of a, a uh, marketing-influenced way. Um, so if we talk about fast pasteurization, yes, I am absolutely 100% uh, on board with uh, New Belgium and talking about how gentle flash pasteurization is on beer. Um, in fact, if we, if we do the math, if we take a beer and put like 10 pasteurization units into the beer, which is a pretty you know, typical level for a lot of beers out there, um, you'll ha- just have to trust me because you, you need the instrument to calculate the, the TDUs. Um, but the TDUs is um, 20 TDUs there. But now we're going to divide by 1,440 minutes because that's how many minutes are in a day. So now we're to a TDU day equivalent, and that comes out to a whole 0.014 days. We have to multiply that times 24 to get hours. It comes out to a whole 0.34 hours at room temperature or like 20 minutes. Not something to be worried about. Yeah, if you can taste, if your beer, I mean, that's about the time for me to have my second beer, right? So if if that second beer, if you can taste it being older than your first beer, then you should be worried about flash pasteurization. Otherwise, I I wouldn't worry whatsoever. Okay. All right. Wow. Um, That's pretty cool. Do you want to give us any other examples? Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I just want to mention about flash pasteurization is is counterintuitively, the hotter you flash pasteurize within reason, the less age you put into the beer. And that's because the, the calculation of PU builds faster than the calculation for TDU. So it's it's completely counterintuitive. But if you actually want your beer in a TDU day equivalence to have less TDUs, you would actually pasteurize at higher temperatures for less time, not lower temperatures for more time. Okay. Um, so. Now, Travis, uh, is there any reason for a brewery to consider what some folks might refer to as gentle pasteurization you kind of mentioned it earlier but like you know obviously 10 10 pus is uh you know something standard that you know you might work with i think that was one of the um i'm pretty sure that's the number that ali uh, was using for their um filtered ipa um you know uh you hear some people that say they want to go lower than that because they think it's more gentle on the beard you do you want to talk about that yeah it's interesting i actually did some math on this because I wanted to understand that. And um, if we take a tunnel pasteurizer, it, it is not quite as gentle as a flash pasteurizer, but it's still pretty gentle. So if, if we take that same example, take a beer now through a tunnel pasteurizer and get it to 10 PU, I'm going to skip all the math this time. Just trust me. That comes out to about 0.25 
thermal day, uh, thermal degradation unit day equivalents. Multiply that times 24. That's six hours of room temperature. So a regular ton of pasteurizer, 10 PU, adds about six hours of room temperature age onto the beer. I think that's probably a lot lower than maybe a lot of people thought. Yeah. Yeah. So now let's let's just say you're nervous or just want to make you know have your beer be the freshest as possible. So what if we pasteurize that beer at two PU, just maybe just enough to really decrease bacteria count, um, but somehow be more gentle to the beer. So so I sat down and calculated like how much less age will a tunnel pasteurization at two PU impart versus the example I just shared at six hour at 10 PU, six hours of room temperature. And, you know, to, again, spare us from the math, the, the, the 10 PU has 0.25 day equivalents. The 2 PU is 0.16. So the delta is 0.09. Okay, drum roll. The, del- the difference in room temperature age on those two approaches is 2.2 hours of room temperature age. Wow. It's incredibly, it's, it's not really meaningful, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, I guess, uh, you know, we've been talking about pasteurization a lot, but, um, there's a lot of other applications for TDUs. Talk about how a brewery might use TDUs to make decisions about cold storage. Yeah, the, the, you know, we normally think about these things. We're usually thinking about temperatures higher than 20 degrees, but there's no reason you can't put a 5C, uh, 1C in the, numer- the power numerator function that's doing X minus 20C. So you could have 5 minus 20C. You could have 1 minus 20C. Obviously, you end up with a negative number there, but it still perfectly functions as calculating TDU to equivalence. So we can actually make quality decisions based on doing the math for numbers less than 20C. So I'll give you an example. Let's, let's say a brewery is, is considering storing cold, cold warehouse storing. So today they're at 20C and they want to know how much fresher their beer will be if they warehouse it at 5C or 40, 40 Fahrenheit. Okay. We can calculate that. So we would calculate one day at 20C equals one TDU day equivalent. Hopefully that makes sense. And then if we take the five and minus a 20 and do the math, that works out to 0.35 TDU day equivalents. So Maybe that sounds like a lot or not, but if, if we work it out, that's about a, a three-time increase in storage age. So one way to think about that is, is ask yourself today, how many days does your beer stay fresh? Let's say you're happy with your beer. I'll pick maybe an IPA number of like 90 days. You feel like your beer has acceptable freshness at 90 days. In theory, by doing cold at 20C storage, if you went to 5C storage, you would get that same freshness at 270, right? 270 days? Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. So suddenly we're making massive impacts to our beer. So notice, you know, you hear a lot of brewers 
really worried about the pasteurization. And notice how little impact we had on TDU day equivalents with pasteurization. Yeah. But, but then look what happens when we talk about storage and supply chain for the beer. It's massive impacts. Pretty interesting. Okay. Um, what can, what can TDUs tell us about the effects of storing beer in a bright tank versus in a finished goods cooler? Yep. We can, we can do the math. So it's, it's, so it depends on again the finished goods storage. But if, if, if let's say you were 20 C 68 Fahrenheit storing, if you could hold in a bright tank at like two C that's 71% slower aging. It's just absolutely very, very impactful. And this is one of the reasons we should, you know, when we're ever in a situation of having to choose between storing in our beer tanks or storing in finished package, we should always be choosing the beer tanks to help and maintain the freshness of the beer. Talk about the relationship between sensory and TDUs. Yeah. In Beer, unfortunately, um, is little to nothing published, which is really unfortunate. And I don't know why that is. It might be because the work is difficult. It might be because the work is expensive or probably all the work is proprietary. And it's probably all three of those. Um, So there's just not much out there on TDUs uh, in beer. But there is... uh, a lot of work out there on TDUs and other products. And the good news is that generally the TDU theory holds up in sensory work. So there's some work out there on Cure Mix, that's K-H-E-E-R Mix, um, that shows that the TDUs um, match fairly well with the sensory. In other words, um, if you take a product and you taste it fresh, and then you take that same product and hold it for a period of time um, and compare it to that product heated up and cooled back down, um, the sensory work is following it. And this work has also been done in yogurt. And again, the the sensory work is following TDUs. Is it following it perfectly? No. Um, But is it fairly close? Is it, you know, looking like it backs it up yes absolutely that was travis audette here on the master brewers podcast you can almost always find travis at the annual master brewers conference usually presenting and or moderating something interesting be sure to get the next master brewers conference on your calendar that's october 6th through the 8th 2023 in seattle Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Brew Ninja, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.